You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. The world is filled with many questions, such as, did giants exist? What is junk DNA? Does it mean that you're trash? Do you ever wonder if aliens have underwater bases in our oceans, and that's why there are so many UFO sightings off the coasts of islands all over the world? How serious even is climate change, and when should we start building our rafts? Hello, everyone. You may recognize me as Gabby from the History of Everything podcast. And my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet. Together, we're two scientists who explore the answers to these questions and many, many more in our new podcast, Mystery Mystery of Everything, Everything. available everywhere you get your podcasts. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. This is definitely one of the largest squirrels on Earth. I think it is the largest, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Oh, he's got fat. They are, no. (laughs) You and your darn. What can they teach us? Yeah, they're a seed disperser. And we'll talk a lot more about their nutrition. It's a lot more than just seeds and nuts. Trust me. I was blown out of the water by some of the cool nutrition facts. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. And I think listeners today are going to go, what, a squirrel? Like, seriously? <laughs> and I will agree because that's kind of how I started the podcast mm-hmm. when I was doing mm-hmm. my research earlier this week. I love them. I love looking at them. Yeah. In fact, squirrels, interestingly enough for me, were the first animal I ever recorded behavioral data on. Okay. So this is the the origins. At Michigan Michigan State. And it wasn't real behavioral data collection. It was more, Mm -hmm. are they present? Are they in a tree or on the ground? It's Mm -hmm. very simplistic. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it was on campus, all this beautiful wooded area that they have on campus and just walking Mm -hmm. through trails. I brought my friends along. It was like the Mm -hmm. best research project ever, looking Mm -hmm. at squirrels. So, but I never really dove into their behavior or anything like that. And then life just kept on going and all the way until today or earlier this week when we Mm. talked about doing squirrels. And the minute I started reading about Mm -hmm. them, I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. And I didn't know that. And I didn't know that. And they are very amazing. Besides being adorable, they're smart, Mm -hmm. they're curious, their courtship behavior is going to give us a little insight into why yeah, yeah. why when men and women are dating we love the chase game right everybody loves okay yeah the chase yeah. it's like a love hate with the chase right yeah yeah so yeah. squirrels will maybe give us a little insight into that and then yeah. even better chris our patreon subscribers picked the indian giant squirrel also known as the malbar giant squirrel mm-hmm. also known as the technicolor squirrel I know it's it's amazing. Actually, I read that 
It made a huge presence on social media around Instagram. People were like going crazy over the squirrel. Yes. The colors and mm-hmm. oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And that's one of the amazing things about social media. And I think that we always talk with our audience about what can you do I, if you can't donate any money or you can't go out and volunteer yeah. right now. Social media is actually a great way to help educate people, get people excited mm-hmm. about different species. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about is not so long ago when an amateur photographer, I think his name was Kushik Vijayan. I'm probably saying that wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He took these amazing photos of the Indian giant squirrel and they just took off. People just started re. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was tweeting or re. What do you call Instagram? Regramming? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not that hip. Yeah, re. Yeah, reposting. <laughs> reposting. Probably, Thanks, Chris. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just it just people had a lot of interest in it because if you're from North America or South America, um, or maybe even Australia, it's just something or Europe. It's a squirrel that you probably aren't familiar with. And we'll touch on today a few more really cool Asiatic squirrels, but yeah, it was kind of unknown and the colors are just amazing and a couple experts think that there may have been a filter or a slight color enhancement on some of the instagram photos Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but the squirrel is brilliant and it's color it has that color it has a color pattern it absolutely maybe not as crisp but i mean but that's what we all do on instagram right a little filter here a little filter here that makes us look good vibrant i just do the raw the raw photo here it is but no and this was also specially requested by xander yes he told you mm-hmm. quite a while ago quinn was another one that said she couldn't wait to hear about squirrels wyatt wanted squirrels so you know we had a bunch of our younger audience members screaming for this species and it's you're gonna love it this is a great fun podcast they're fun to learn about they have some incredible physiology and then Angie, I have to give a shout out to one of our special friends, Angie Number Two. Hi, Angie Number She'll Two. She'll hate me for great name because <laughs> when I was down there, she used to say she was Angie Number One, and you know. So, anyway, she has a special place in her heart for squirrels. So I'm dedicating this episode to her, and I'll forward it to her. But all of them love squirrels, so you should too. I mean, just amazing creatures. It's gonna be really fun. Oh yes, and thank you so much to our Patreon subscribers for. Encouraging us to do the squirrel because it is yeah. it is fun. Well, that's good you mentioned Patreon because we want to say a shout out to Katie joined us this week. So thank you, Katie. Thank you. So just a reminder, you know, one cup of coffee a month, a nice cup of coffee if you go to a, a little boutique place, supports conservation, supports us. And, you know, up there we have meerkats and sperm whale for your listening pleasure. Angie has an incredible species we're going to be doing here pretty quick in the next couple of weeks. Right now, the the voting uh, for our Patreon, deciding on who we're going to send a check to, I think O-Search is winning. So we'll see if that carries through the week. And if if they do, I'll be cutting them a check this week and sending them money to support their research out in the ocean. If you've not listened to that episode, oh my goodness, go listen to Chris Fisher. Amazing job by Angie. Just an amazing Yeah, I don't throw this around lightly, but it was a total game changer for me. Yeah. So Angie, real real quick before we jump back into squirrels, I got to say, you know, thank you to animal expert Mike Bona from the L.A. Zoo. He, you know, has been helping plug me into the L.A. animal scene and I'm I'm meeting people. Oh, is that Leo's buddy? (laughs) I was just going to say, he said, don't show this to Angie. She's going to hate me. And there's a picture of him and Leo 
with his giraffes at the LA Zoo, and I was like, I don't, I don't hate him. I'm, I'm in awe. I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to get me the digits. Come on, or an email. I know, I, I know. I told him. Go. I told him. I told him. I said, you know, they have like the story slam coming up at the LA Zoo. Laughs for giraffes for the LA Zoo supporting giraffe conservations coming up. So a lot of good stuff going on here in Southern California from them. And then Angie and I have something cooking from the San Diego Zoo. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. So stay tuned on that. But, you know, squirrels, Angie, rodents, we were talking, you know, I saw, you saw over 200 species of squirrels. I saw 285 species of squirrels. They're everywhere. Right. And here in North America alone, we have the Western gray squirrel, the Eastern gray squirrel. That's what I'm most familiar with. Mm -hmm. The black squirrel, the fox squirrel, and the American red squirrel is the one that I worked on uh, the research project at Michigan State. So yeah, so about five here in North America alone. Mm -hmm. And yes, well, well over 200 worldwide. Uh, I think you saw some numbers in the as high as 280 or something like that. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Definitely very, very abundant. In fact, and just getting a little taste of the Indian giant squirrel this week, I was thinking with over 200 squirrel species, we could probably just turn this into a straight squirrel podcast. (laughs) No, each week. What squirrel are we talking about this week? (laughs) And I think I'd be happy, Chris. Uh, I was just, I mean, once again, you and I study things with hooves and horns. That's mm-hmm. what I worked on for eight years of my life mm-hmm. that I loved. Those are wonderful eight years. Mm-hmm. And then of course, before that, when I was a zookeeper. So although I've worked, I worked with rats at the zoo before in mice, I never worked with squirrels mm-hmm. and I just feel like there's so much to learn about them. I just had no idea. Uh, and we all love them. We all love yeah. watching them. I swear to goodness. Yeah. At, you go to any zoo, and the kids love the animals. That's great. They're looking at them. Mm. But my goodness, if a squirrel comes down to beg for food, because, of course, everybody feeds squirrels, yeah. which yeah. they probably shouldn't. That's a different right, talk right. for a different day. Yeah, The kids care more about that darn squirrel than they do whatever zebra way over yeah. under. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's true. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I used to do squirrel rescue back in the day when I was at Clemson. I did so, not know that. Yeah, yeah. I was working with the uh, Greenville Animal Rescue, and so we would get baby squirrels, and then I would hand feed them with syringes, middle of the oh night. Oh my gosh, waking that's so up. darling. You're so giant, uh, and you, uh, I know you, your little giant squirrels self feeding a little baby, baby squirrel. Aww, yeah, I'll have to see if precious. I have some pictures and then uh, post them. Post them on the uh, uh. this week's show notes. But yeah, you would, you would feed them, and then when they got bigger, we had in you know indoor small cages, and then I would transfer them to outdoor cages for a couple weeks, and then you'd go release them. And release day was always fun. You would put trap them in their box, go move somewhere where you wanted to release them, nail the box there, and you'd leave food for a week, you know, so they got used to foraging on their own, and then you let them go. And probably rescued, I don't know, a couple hundred over the years I was there. So it was wow, really fun. Wow, that is yeah. so fun. Yeah, they were fun. And did possums too. So we're going to get to possums one of these days pretty quick. Oh, that's another one. I'm super excited for those. Yeah. And as well. But, yeah. Oh, they were fun. And, you know, and you got to handle them when they were little babies and, you know, as they got bigger and, and they were amazing. So describing the Indian giant squirrel yeah let's though. cut to the chase oh. my gosh our poor listeners hopefully you found no it's all that. No, 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 no. no it's all it's good <laughs> stuff on squirrels so this is definitely one of the larger squirrels on earth 
I think it is know, the largest. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Oh, oh, he's got facts. They are no. <laughs> you and your darn facts, Chris. <laughs> it gets edged out by the giant black squirrel just a little bit, just a little bit. So you know, I'll let Angie describe the colors because she does such an amazing job with that. But just really quickly, they're talking about size. Their body's 16 inches long, the, the bigger ones, mm-hmm. 40 centimeters. Tail length's another 24 inches or two feet or 60 centimeters. So you're talking almost a meter in length or a three foot long squirrel. That's huge. They call them small cats. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're I mean, very big. Yeah. They're, yeah. And they weigh four and a half pounds or two kilograms. Now, the giant black squirrel weighs about the same. They're just a few inches longer just a few not much that's true so and that's you're te- one of their asiatic relatives right yeah so technically i think you know you're right they're right there they're right there they're one of the largest squirrels on earth but the color like that's why we're doing these squirrels the color is just wow oh chris the color as we mentioned earlier with that instagram that kind of got them popular about a year or so ago it's just brilliant and fascinating and with these vibrant splotches of black, cream, and burnt fuchsia. Some say purple. I think it's a little bit more of a maroon-ish shade, if you will. Mm-hmm. And regardless whether you want to call it a purple, a shade of purple, or maroon, that color tone in a mammal is highly unusual. Very, very. Birds, for sure. And reptiles, if they can change color. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely tones of purple. But mammals... No. I struggle to think of another mammal that has a maroon or purple coat or pelage or no. fur. No. No. And, I can't and, think of one. Yeah. Yeah. I, and of course, we'll try to describe it, but I highly recommend as long as you're not driving, make sure and check out our show notes or just Google Indian giant squirrel and mm-hmm. you'll be like, oh, that's what those clowns were talking about. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. <laughs> No. Yeah, but it's very, very charming. It has a lighter undercoat, either this beige or cream, maybe even Mm -hmm. like a a light reddish tone Mm -hmm. underneath. And then on top, its head has almost a maroon patch in the middle and then Mm -hmm. light brown points on the side. Giant fluffy ears. I would say fluffier mm-hmm. than most squirrels, right? Mm-hmm, would you say mm-hmm. so? Looks it. They look it, yeah. Yeah, or bigger, if you will. And those mm-hmm. are maroon. Uh, and then another maroon collar kind of around its neck. And then moving down towards the tail, around the shoulders, there's a black big splotch. And then another maroon splotch around the middle or the barrel region. That's what's called on a horse. I don't know what it's called on a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> bas- be- belly. basically where the ribs end down towards the back, more of this blackish, almost navy blue, depending on the light color. And then a long, elegant tail that fans out black and then on the high points has more of that maroon and then lighter brown cream color in it. Oh, yeah. It bleeds out. It bleeds out to the cream fa- color. It's, it's fade like a hairdo that a woman yeah. would pay a lot of money for these highlights. money for yeah <laughs> for sure for sure they are gorgeous i mean this yeah, is and I didn't definitely do one it of the prettier animals we've done. i just yeah. i'm just looking at the picture saying yeah that didn't quite describe it very well but uh but no the colors are just it's and it's are just so beautiful and for those of us in north america not that our squirrels aren't beautiful because they are mm-hmm. and like they do have some highlights or blend or splotches of maybe gray and white or uh, 
reddish color with a little white or cream color, but no maroon or purple and mm-hmm. not these amazingly long tails. Just, Mm-mm. just very, very different. And the ears, right. they're, ears for days on these they're, guys. <laughs> they're gorgeous. I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, this is one of the most beautiful animals we've covered. And then I think of the most homely, the, the naked mole rat. <laughs> right. Beautiful so that's way. like the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's oh, the naked four no, naked mole rat. Uh, I wonder how Jim Winepress is doing with his. I'll have to reach out to him and ask. But you know, and they, and they range in India. I mean, this is obviously the Indian giant squirrel, so they're endemic to these evergreen forests around India. So you know, subtropical to a more deciduous type forest. Mm-hmm. You know, is where they they kind of kind of range. Now, I will say squirrels all over the world, because we're going to throw in some general squirrel facts in this podcast, you know, and their history, natural history is amazing. It's, it's really, really fun. But, you know, they obviously North America, South America, Asia, Europe, Africa. Then you look down, I mean, I'm not in Antarctica, obviously, but then you look down to Australia and I was curious, like, do they have squirrels? And so you look and yes, they did have squirrels, that were introduced as invasive species New- by Europeans. Right. New Zealand as well, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today in Australia, they've actually eradicated almost all the squirrels, but I'm reading that there is a small population of this palm squirrel that's still holding out that they're trying to, to eradicate. So a very small population. I did, couldn't find any data in 2019 if, if they fully eradicated them yet. Maybe our listeners down in Australia can let us know. You know, let us know on Instagram or Facebook. But you know, they're they're everywhere. They're all over all over Earth, and you know, just a boreal species like we covered tamarins last week. Amazing little creatures that that are very very important. Which rolls into why I care about a squirrel. You know, so I'm, I'm speaking to Angie number two in Florida, who has a special place in her heart for squirrels. Wink, wink. But they are crazy important for the ecosystem right i mean just crazy important oh yeah they're a seed disperser and we'll talk a lot more Mm -hmm. about their nutrition it's a lot more than just seeds and nuts trust me i was blown out of the water by some of the cool nutrition facts but seeds seeds nuts acorns think of that and they disperse them either through defecation which we've talked a lot about with different primates and birds Mm -hmm. but something a little bit different with another way that they spread seeds is that they store their food and do some really cool behaviors with that. If you're mm-hmm. a little uh, type A like me and you like things organized, I'll explain to you <laughs> and me what yeah. what squirrels have in common with us. But when they hide or bury their seeds, they don't always get to come back to them. And so those seeds are then able to germinate and turn into whatever it is they were going to be. So regardless of what habitat they live in or biome, for goodness sakes, or continent, the seeds that they disperse is huge in the ecosystem. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. They they go and they dig these small holes, two to four inches deep, you know, a few centimeters down. They place the nut. And, or the seed, mm-hmm. then they cover it. Mm-hmm. And then they go around doing this behavior over and over and over again. 
and it's like you know within an hour they're they're burying five seeds mm-hmm. you know or five nuts mm-hmm. on average you have all these squirrels doing that right that is their role in the ecosystem this mutualism behaviors i don't know if that's the right word you're the behavior expert but mutualistic it, it, it's i don't know the, the the squirrels get benefits from more yeah. seeds the plants mm-hmm. get benefits that they actually are buried mm-hmm. and you know a few of them during the winter or when they need them get forgotten about which is amazing they can even remember where they're at mm-hmm. but that is when you start you know again in this podcast what we've been trying to do especially this past few months the more we talk about this linking all of these pieces in this complete system it's a complete system you know and what angie and i are are fighting for and trying to voice our opinions about and trying to get people to wake up is we're taking out major supporting poles of this ecosystem right and you know and when we start doing that the whole tent's going to collapse because every species in that biome has a role oh yeah and is fulfilling that role. absolutely you know and now there is a an interesting caveat with the indian giant squirrel they're one of the only known species of squirrels that actually don't store or cache their food in underground spots they are only mm-hmm. known to store it in trees. So with mm-hmm. that being said, their main ecosystem role is going to be a seed disperser through defecation. And of course, I'm sure mm-hmm. like sometimes a seed will get knocked out of their storage bin or things like that. So, right, 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 uh, right. which is a really, really, which is really fascinating to researchers that are starting to learn more about the Indian giant squirrel because it is very unique that they only store them high up and not down low like a lot of other. Mm-hmm like mm-hmm. almost every other species of squirrel. So, but that's the thing is we're right. still learning about them. I mean, that's, there's probably other unknown ecosystem roles that these squirrels that stay up in the trees their whole lives and even hide their nuts and seeds up there are doing that we don't even know about. Right. And right, so right, right. that's just the ecosystem role is huge with squirrels. And I hadn't really mm-hmm. paid attention to that until I started researching this podcast. So now we're all yeah. educated yeah. and we can have a new right. appreciation for them. And then in their, their role, role yeah. absolutely. And then I think from a human or economic perspective about why I care about squirrels, a lot of it for me has to do with the fact that they're just a favorite icon, as I already mentioned previously, as far as people just love looking at them or kids love talking about them, right? Like all of, a lot of our fans mm-hmm. – ask for a squirrel out of all the animals they could ask for they pick a squirrel i know because they are so abundant throughout most of the continents everybody can relate to them for Mm -hmm. the most part Mm -hmm. uh everybody's seen one everyone's watched one for a while and wonder what is that the goofy little squirrel doing right as it zigzags up and down a tree or chases each other so there's a lot of just uh i don't want to know if comfort's the right word or just nostalgic or uh, relation to squirrels. In fact, Chris, this was a super fascinating fact that I read about. It's hard to imagine this, Chris, but prior to the mm-hmm. 19th century, there were no squirrels in Central Park or Harvard Square or some of these other big urban natural areas. Yeah, because the city had built about. up all around them and had you know, mm-hmm. either gotten rid of them or pushed them out or they left because they're smart. 
And so basically around 1870, a group of people got together and said, you know what? We want our urban area and our and the park system that runs through them to actually feel wild and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A more rural. And so they introduced squirrels, which of course are notorious yeah. now through Central Park and Harvard Square and, and just right. almost any urban yeah. area. My goodness, right? And as a little side note, they also introduced uh, starlings and sparrows as well. So some bird species. But yeah, I just, okay. it's okay. just really yeah. goes to show that even city planners were like, okay, this doesn't feel like a city good enough. Like we want some right. squirrels. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Let's add some. Let's add some squirrels. Let's add some squirrels. And so because people love them and they have a lot of just visual aesthetic value um, and they're cute as all get out. I mean, yeah, obviously, the yeah. uh, the Indian giant squirrel is a stunner, a real, right, right, a right. real, a real fashion model of a squirrel. But even like I said, our North American squirrels or a lot of the other squirrel species are just super cute to begin with, right? Yeah. Oh, when they're baby. Oh, when they're like juveniles, Angie. That was that was a highlight. That was the the most fun when they were fun and you could take them out and they crawl all over you and. They'd recognize me as a parent and be like, you know, okay, you, you know, you're taking care of me and they climb all over you. They're just, uh, they're so cute and they're so critical to, to maintaining a healthy biome. So just getting to some of the, the, the fun facts in natural history. Squirrels, the family of squirrels is Cyridae, Skyridae, the family of squirrels is Skyridae. I would say Skiridae is what I would say, but that's there you just go. Me. You're doing better than me lately. Yeah, okay. Skiridae, small to medium-sized rodents. So this includes the family squirrels, prairie dogs, which is still best moments in podcast history for us. Is talking about <laughs> black-footed ferrets and the tap, tap, tap. I still cannot get over that episode when we talked about how black-footed ferrets hunt prairie dogs. Oh my goodness. You have to listen to that episode. Check it out. Flying squirrels. Oh, it is. (laughs) Flying squirrels, marmots, and woodchucks. So if a woodchuck could chuck wood, how much could a woodchuck chuck chuck wood? Is that it? Very good. Yeah, that's right. You nailed that one. Okay. Okay. So that uh, tree squirrels, ground squirrels, and chipmunks, which are amazing too. Cute little things. So the Indian giant squirrel, Specifically, the genus is Ratufa, and these are the cat-sized squirrels. The Oriental giant squirrels are, are kind of what they're known as. So they have four living species. There's the cream-colored giant squirrel, the black giant squirrel, which I mentioned earlier, just mm-hmm. edges out the Indian much, you know, not by much. The grizzled giant squirrel, and then the Indian giant. So those are the 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 four species, and there might be a fifth. I think I read somewhere, you know, depending on genetics. They're looking at that now. Okay. So we have covered rodent evolution a bit, but Angie, again, it's so fascinating to look at rodents because do you remember what percent of mammals are rodents? Do you remember that factoid? No, but let me take an educated guess. Yeah. Yeah. 40%. Oh, (laughs) that's too high. Ding, no, ding, ding, ding. Oh, right on the button. Amazing. Yeah. I swear to goodness, I didn't, I did not remember you didn't that. Read that. I just, okay. no, I just did some, a little bit of 
quick math yeah, in my head because I once again I was blown away at the fact that there's over 200 species of squirrels. Yeah, just true. Reading true. that this past week, I was so. Anyways, I just yeah. I got. It's called yeah. getting lucky. My dad no, said, it's, no, it's, it's no. A, he always said it was. A, it's a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck, like this yeah, podcast, no. right? Yeah. <laughs> No, that was very good. So there's about 2,277 species okay. of rodents, which is about 40, 42% of all mammal species. So almost half, a little less than half of every mammal on earth is a rodent. Right. Which so, I'm not talking, I'm not, and that's species. I'm not talking total number of animals on, or mammals theoretically, on Theoretically, if we species. do the numbers of how many species we've covered, how many pods we've done, we have Rodent, not yeah. given them their fair no. shake. No, no. Shame no, on no, us. Not, that not ends even today, close. Chris. <laughs> Next week on the Squirrel Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't even have time this week. It's been very busy uh, this yeah. semester for me teaching four classes. So, yeah. But I really wanted to dive into flying squirrels. I just, I know. I just, those videos, I had, I watched one or two and I just had to stop. I was like, nope, focus on. <laughs> Stay focused, yeah, we're, Angie. We're gonna get a, we're gonna get to them. We're gonna get to them. We will for sure. Now, rodent evolution is is fascinating. I mean, you know, mammal evolution goes back almost two hundred million years. It's about one hundred ninety five million years ago. There was the Hydrocodium woi was one of the first mammals on the planet. Looks very much like a like a rodent. So rodents evolved about 70 million years ago with lagomorphs, which are the rabbit's hairs. And do you remember the other? We did them. The illy. Hold on. It's it's slow. It's a it's slow like, burn today. Um, lagomorphs. We covered yeah, them. Rabbit? The cutest little thing on earth. Oh. Yeah. A pica. Yeah, the illy pica. That thing was mm-hmm. gorgeous. Yeah. So lagomorphs. Now they, it's it, you know, look at why did rodents? Why are there forty percent of rodents on Earth? You know, That's or forty percent of all mammals? Mm-hmm. You know, and they just scientists think because of their small size. Okay, they eat a lot, lot of different foods, but they have these short breeding cycles. So they just they had everything going for them as far as in the the mammalian group. They just could survive easier. You know, with the changes in climate, sea levels rising and dropping, changing in vegetation. You know, we had, you know, the megafauna, the mammoths, the saber-toothed cats, all those things. Woolly rhinos all died out, you know, 10,000 years ago. These rodents have just been cruising along, doing just fine. Mm-hmm. And again, the, you know, they're found almost all over Earth. You know, so do you have rodents in Australia? Not squirrels per se, but there are rodents down there, obviously. I bet they're uh, wacky except- in some way. We, gotta, we have yeah, to have them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. But, you know, most islands, interestingly, don't have rodents. That is interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you go back to episode 49, when I interviewed Theo Van Noort, when he went to the Antipodes, which is one of the most extreme uninhabited unha- islands that humans have very rarely visited. But it was the Million Dollar Mouse Program, if people remember that. It was a great interview. I highly suggest you listen to it because... The rodents that were introduced, the mice, were destroying the native birds and insect populations. So they went in and eradicated them. And they were successful from from the the latest research we saw. So very interesting where rodents, you know, when they get introduced where they don't belong, you know, bad things happen. But generally, you know, they're part of the ecosystem. Now, quickly on squirrels, they're ancient. You know, today squirrels evolved about 36 million years ago. 
I'm playing 50 questions with you tonight, but I, I guess where? <laughs> You know, where's everything come from? Uh, North America, when in doubt. Yeah, Western North America. <laughs> yeah. I know, everything evolved here. It's crazy. It's like, you wouldn't think. You would think like Africa, Asia. You would. And, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. there's a lot of diversity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but a lot of uh, anim- these animals evolved here in North America. So that's where squirrels went. They, they spread all over Earth, hit Europe about 30 million years ago, Africa 20 million years ago. And about 11 million years ago is when squirrels like exploded and diversified Mm -hmm. in Asia, in Southeast Asia specifically. So where we're talking about the Indian giant squirrel. Gosh, 11 million. I just, I always forget to stop and think for a minute. 11 million years ago. That's nuts. It's just nuts. It's so long ago. Oh my gosh, pardon the pun. I just said it's nuts. <laughs> but seriously. Now, okay, you can move forward. Yeah. I just have to sometimes be in the no. moment and really just think about that. And you, I don't even know what that means, you, thinking about it, because I clearly cannot wrap my brain around it. Yeah, 30 million years is how long squirrels have been evolving. And it wasn't until 3 million years ago. So they showed up in Europe 30 million years ago. But 3 million years ago was when they finally made it to South America. Okay. Because. Okay. Because the land bridge, the Panama Isthmus, was finally connected. Sea levels dropped enough to where they could cross and start getting into South America. So, so when did the Indian giant squirrel decide to get its Technicolor Dreamcoat pattern on? When was it like all the other squirrels that have been evolving for 30 million years, they didn't get it right. I need to do this gnarly, vibrant fuchsia color. That happened sometime in the last 36 million years okay. when squirrels evolved. I, I don't know when. <laughs> I don't know when. Okay. <laughs> a couple hundred thousand years. But you think, I mean, you think about, you stumped the chump, that's for sure. But, you know, I when I think about their evolution, when I was going through this, I couldn't, I mean, there wasn't very many specifics on their coat color pattern. Trying to figure out the evolutionary advantage because we know in birds, it's usually the male birds that are you know vibrant to attract the mate. Mm-hmm. These this coat color pattern doesn't differ between males and females. So what what advantage does it give them? I, I you know I don't know. Is it a, you know a shade thing? You know in the tropics or the subtropic area where it's hard because you know it's like we talk about all these species. Oh, what's the word if you can remember it? Where they're dark on top, light underneath. So when you're looking from the ground up or like in the ocean from the bottom up, you know, that, that white underneath, it's harder to see them. We're top down, they're darker. So if you're in the ocean looking top down, it's hard to see them. Or if you're in the air, it's, it's hard to top down to see them. So I was thinking maybe it's some sort of camouflage that worked in that part of the world and it just stuck. Yeah. That's, that's where my thought process went. Well, and that's a great thought process. And I think the spoiler Mm -hmm. answer is researchers don't know. Uh, There is no, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) We never know. (laughs) Like spit out my coffee. (laughs) You're right. We don't know. (laughs) They don't know. Uh, However, I was reading a couple articles and yes, that is what they mentioned that it potentially could be a type of camouflage blend high mm-hmm. up in the canopy and that the way the sun might hit them where they have 
do is a little bit brighter colors mimicked by the darker color, brighter color, darker color type of pattern and big splotches might be enough to throw a predator off. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yeah, especially, I mean, their birds of prey are, are, are one of their main dangers. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at the birds that, that, that part of the year, it'd be interesting to cover a bird of prey and come back and revisit this to see what, areas of the color spectrum they can see well you know but still that and, long tail I chris i mean i know you can't I know, hide a tail like that, that very no, well no. so yeah it's it, it really is quite interesting and as you mentioned with mate choice there's not a lot of differences between the male and Mm-mm. female they're not very sexual dimorphic so mm-hmm. yeah and that's why this podcast is super fun because we only know the answer half the time <laughs> <laughs> I know, even. I know, I know. Wait till I get to the repo you know. behavior, I'm gonna be like, uh, uh they have babies, yeah. <laughs> they have babies. But I mean, you know, it's good because it, it, I guess, it shows to the audience too that we don't know a lot about all these species on Earth. We don't. We just don't. Oh, absolutely. You know? And this is going to be you a know. classic example of that, and which is really shocking to me because. I'm like, why hasn't this been more studied? Like, why don't we know more about right. a specific reproduction or specific courtship behaviors or things like that? But we'll talk about that in behavior um, as to why that why we still there's still a lot to learn. Um, yeah, that's that's a fun thing about science, you know. There's a lot of questions we have oh, to answer. Oh yes, there there is um, a PhD project, master's project, hmm. waiting mm-hmm. for anybody who can find money. Yeah, or, yeah. Muster up the support to do it. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, the largest rodent ever. I kind of revisited this one again. I, I, you know, not totally sure if I covered this before. I tried to go back through some other podcasts to see if I did. But this thing's ridiculous. The, you know, so it's always fun to talk about the the giant rodent. Joseph Artigasia Monacy was the size of a bull cow. Like, (laughs) weighed... Almost two tons. I was <laughs> I don't not expecting that at all. I do not think you covered that. Maybe you did. Sometimes I get a little. I don't know if I, I did. Uh, you know, my attention wanders sometimes on this podcast, but no, I was thinking of like Great Dane dog size or something, and then that's the visual I had. A bull. I think it was about three million years ago. This thing lived in South America. Uh, they got they got across that yeah. land bridge or whatever, and they were like, "Oh yeah, yeah. all this amazing, what, what, amazing foliage and trees to live in." Almost two tons, five thousand pounds, two tons. Like I don't know how many kilograms that is. It's a lot of kilograms. Yeah, that thing didn't <laughs> live in trees. Then it lived on the ground. No, no, no. <laughs> size of a bull. Like, oh my! Can you imagine that thing tomping through the forest? Like, oh my god. Oh no, thanks. So yeah. They uh they discovered that in uh down there, okay. So the Indian giant squirrel lifespan's pretty good, twenty years. Yes, for yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last age of reproduction is thought to be about twelve years in the wild. However, there have been older females observed with kits or pups. What are they? What are baby mm-hmm. squirrels called? Pups, pups, okay. pups. They're yep. not kit or kits. kits. Okay, kits or or kitten. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they have a few things. Uh, a male is called a buck, female is a doe. A group is called a dray or a scurry. Oh, that's cute. I think scurry is kind of cute for squirrels. Scurry. Scurry, is, 
A scurry of yeah, squirrels. Yeah, say that three times Woodchuck, fast. Yeah, Woodchuck and Chuck Wood. Scurry, scurry, squirrels. <laughs> they, they're pretty quick. You know, they can run 20 miles per hour or 32 miles or 32 kilometers per hour. Pretty quick. Yeah, pretty quick. and the yeah. Indian giant squirrel is a real jumper. Yeah, yeah. Like six meters or 20 feet. Mm-hmm. Like the tamarins we, we covered. Or Gibbons. That's Gibbons. Yes. Gibbons can leap that far. Gibbons, yeah, between yeah. trees. Yeah. Like that's insane for a squirrel. Gibbons are nuts. Yeah. I know. Gibbons yeah. are awesome. Gibbons but are awesome. for a squirrel that even, I mean, I know it's a larger squirrel, but still 20 feet from tree to tree. That's that's some agility over there. Right. Right. It's it's far. It's far. Now, some of the cool physiology. This is some, some things I remember learning doing wildlife rescue and- one of the, the curious things about them is they have four teeth in the front of their mouths that constantly grows throughout their lives. So again, why, why squirrels don't make good pets is they like to gnaw and, and chew and chew and chew because they have to wear those teeth down. If they don't, the teeth can get overgrown horribly and can end up killing them. So, you know, in the wild, when they're out there, they're gnawing on the nuts and, and things in the trees. And so they, that they, it's like beavers, you know, beavers have to chew wood sure. to keep their teeth down. Right. So I thought that was, that was curious with squirrels. The vision of them, I thought was kind of curious too. They have a wide angle vision and they, they can focus pretty well with, with their eyes and the colors. Cause again, going to that coat pattern, you know, I'm curious to like, okay, you know, they're this camouflage. Now, trying to see what range of color they could see, there's some argument. So I think different species maybe see a little bit different than us. But I read in one study that said, oh, they couldn't really see the blue range. And then the other study came back and said, no, they can see the blue range. They don't see, I think, green as well. So I think there's still some debate in science on how well they can see. You know, I think the the general exception is they are dichromatic, so they can okay. at least see two ranges of color. Mm-hmm. So th- they definitely can uh, see that. Hearing's very good. So looking at that for squirrels. Yes, we're going to talk about their hearing when we get to behavior. Okay. Okay. So it's 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 better than us. And then like other rodents, they have these highly sensitive hairs, the vibrissae. So they have about five parallel rows of whiskers on each side of their nose. Next to that cute little button nose. Yeah, it's cute. Mm. It's cute. Now, switching to diet, you know, for these squirrels, they they like, you know, fruit, flowers, nuts, tree bark. You know, I read some species or some subspecies are omnivorous. So they eat some Mm -hmm. insects or bird eggs, which is curious. Yeah, I didn't. See, that's why this podcast is so fun. I would have missed that in a... Trivia question, hands down. Yeah, they will. And I even read, this is squirrels in general, so this is not necessarily uh, the Indian giant, but most squirrels in general are herbivores, but some will eat fungi as well. And they have been, when they're really hungry, they have been known to eat small birds, young snakes, and rodents, small rodents, if needed. So don't mess with them. <laughs> yeah, they will eat you. <laughs> so, and that's not super common. And once again, I don't know if any of that's been documented in the Indian giant squirrel. Uh, right, but right, right. also too, it's something to consider from a nut- nutritional standpoint of view is squirrels in general. And once again, this is general squirrels. 
they don't digest cellulose. So they eat mm-hmm. a lot of plant material, mm-hmm. but they really need foods that are rich in protein, fats, and carbohydrates. And so that's why a lot of their diet is often seeds and nuts and grains and things like that. And I guess an occasional small bird once in a while. Bird. <laughs> or insects. <laughs> Another mouse. Yeah. Like what mouse. kind of insects? I just, I, you know, you just, you just, you can't really picture like a cute little squirrel with its little hands chewing on a praying mantis head. Like I just can't no. picture that. <laughs> no, you but see it with nuts and stuff. Yeah. I yeah. Mean. But it's been documented. What is known about the Indian giant squirrel is that they do feed on and really enjoy these massive tropical fruits that are in the canopies mm-hmm. of the tree. So yeah. there are pictures of them just their whole Gorging. face into yeah. this giant bigger, you know, even though they're a giant yeah. squirrel, this, yeah. I'm not familiar, unfortunately, with the type of tree fruit that is in the canopy in India's, but it looks really pretty and yummy and it's giant and their whole face is just in it and they're just having a field day. <laughs> Yeah. And once again, when they eat all those f- fruit seeds, they defecate them out, and there's their huge yeah. key role in the ecosystem. But similar to other squirrels, they will often stand on their hind legs and balance and use their hands to handle food. And they have this gorgeous long tail. If you haven't already checked out a picture of them, you should soon. But they will use this large tail as a counterweight to improve their balance as they're eating and as they move through the canopy. Yeah. Form and function. You always say mm-hmm. that form and mm-hmm. function. What, what's the, what's the function of that physiology? I think this was kind of fun. And it is a fun fact that I thought it would be fun to, to bridge into behavior, but a, a professor at Wilkes university in Pennsylvania studying squirrels, you know, here's somebody that's out there actually looking at their behavior, but they found that squirrels engage what is known as deceptive cachet. So they will go and hold a nut in their mouth and dig, 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 look around, cover it up and not bury the nut. Then they'll go and do it again and not bury the nut. And then they'll go and do it again and then put it in there and then bury it and then run and get another nut and come back and dig these fake holes. (laughs) Trick out everybody. Totally, Chris. (laughs) It is insane. And honestly, it totally describes how John hides dark chocolate from me in this house. So much holes in your Until floor. I finally have to like go to him and be like, "Where did you put it?" <laughs> and then he'll tell me. He's usually nice and he'll give me one little square. Uh, yeah. But yes, no, they. I mean, that is smart. Okay, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. some of their uh, behaviors and how they're curious and their intelligence. But yes, that is just crazy to put on this yeah. elaborate, bogus food bearing display to trick onlookers. I mean, and they're tricking other squirrels, they're tricking other birds, and they're like, haha, joke's on you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. But they do this. It's really important because having their their food stolen, especially for squirrels that live in colder climates and need to store more food through the winters and the cold weather, it can be really detrimental if they lose their food. And some studies have shown that squirrels in general may lose up to 25% of what they bury from thieves. Yeah. So they've evolved or adapted that behavior to reduce thievery and bless their hearts. How's like, they're like little, maybe that I, Ooh, here's a, here's something to ponder. I bet a fox squirrel is 
extra deceptive. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you Just go. kidding. I have America, no data North, on no? that. Uh, it's oh, just yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> you can see with a little mask like a raccoon. Well, and Chris, now check this out. I mentioned this at the beginning of the pod, but for anybody who has a little teeny tiny tendency to be type A, like myself, now I'm not off the deep end like some of my friends that have the label maker and keep their spices in alphabetical order and label everything. <laughs> no. I I probably, if I didn't have kids and jobs and dogs and horses, I mean, I probably would maybe would be like that, but not in this lifetime, not now. However, I do like things in their proper places uh, for the most part. And squirrels are the same way. They will collect, and this is squirrel in general. Once again, this is not necessarily the Indian giant, but they have an impressive nut stash. And when they're preparing for winter or just in general storing food, known as caching or caching, in a recent study out of the Journal of Royal Society in Open Science, showed that squirrels organize their nuts more carefully than most people organize their closets. <laughs> it's like they're so they're so intelligent. Like they're a rodent. So a rodent. A team out, yeah, a team out of Berkeley showed that they stash their nuts by quality, variety, and potentially even preference. And so the researchers relate it to when you're at home and you're putting your groceries away and how you might put this on this shelf or the onion in the onion drawer, the squirrels are doing the same thing. So when they want a certain type of acorn or a certain type of seed, they know exactly where to go and it's super organized. So yes, they are cute little curious type A food organizers. Yeah, I just love that. Oh, they're great. They're great. Like who knew? So I didn't great. know. I mean, I, I guess I would have just thought they were tossing it into the hole or wherever it was. Super fascinating. It's just the behavior says so much about how intelligent animals really are. It just does. It does. It fascinates us. Fascinates. Me. Oh yeah, squirrels in general. They're acrobatic, adaptable. Clearly, they can live in the cities with us, and intelligent. And there's a lot to be loved about them which is why we're going to cover squirrels for the next three years on this podcast, I think. <laughs> You're scaring people off. We love them. We love them. No. We no, love them. no, I really love them. But Chris, now getting back to the Indian giant squirrel, they are, as you mentioned, they live in trees or boreal. They usually keep hidden in the vegetation very well. And they rarely come down to the ground. They'll just jump from tree to tree when needed. They have a not that large range in general, um, and they're diurnal. So that means they're going to be active during the day and especially in the early hours mm -hmm. of the morning. Mm -hmm. And of course, towards the evening, they of course do build nests up in the trees and they try to use twigs and leaves and things like that. It's like a round nest so that predators can't see them. Cause as you mentioned, their predators are going to be raptors, snakes, mm -hmm. civet cats. So other things that can be up in the canopy and get them. And typically the Indian giant squirrel will live alone unless it's breeding season. So then of course they are going to um, want to be together. And of course I have to comment on their communication or vocalizations, but not a ton is documented about the Indian giant squirrel. So just 
in general with squirrels, most of most people might be familiar with, but they communicate through various vocalizations and then, of course, scent markings. And researchers have recently noticed, too, that they also use their body language to communicate. Mm-hmm. Can you think of how they use their body? Oh, yeah, their tails all the time. Alarm. Yeah, yeah all the exactly. time. I've saw it all the time. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that actually kind of reminds me a lot of my my Zachary Zoo right mm-hmm. now, my three-year-old, because <laughs> the tail flicks in that snappy, quick movement is actually typically indicative of a frustration. So it's an emotional reaction. Someone like someone stomping their foot in frustration, aka Zachary. <laughs> he's super even keeled, so it's pretty rare. Mm-hmm, but once mm-hmm, in a while, mm-hmm. he's he's been known to stomp a foot recently since he turned three. But he's probably he might actually be cuter than a squirrel doing it. Like you, you can't be mad at him. No, like, no. Okay, here's your here's your nut, little guy. You're so cute. <laughs> Although in fact, he's he, we can't call him little anymore. No. He's, he's big. Yeah. He's, he's a big guy now. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. And so, interestingly, researchers also noticed that when they move their tail in a quick kind of whip-like darting faction, almost like a flag, I guess, if you will. That's a signal to squirrels that a predator is in the vicinity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it means different things depending on how they move their tail. And I guess I would have never thought that. I just thought it was one movement. But people that study this can really, just like you and I study horse behavior and can un- understand just the teeny tiniest subtle body language with their ears or their mouth, uh, it's similar, I guess, in the squirrel world. So there's a lot more, of course, it needs to be done to decode, obviously, the Indian giant squirrel, but other squirrels in general. Mm-hmm. But what they do know is that as far as vocalizations go, they also have different calls depending on two of maybe needing to communicate something like, is there a predator around? Um, is this my mate? Things like that. And a lot of those will accompany the tail flicks or the tail movement as well. It, you watch them and when you watch them in the wild or, you know, like when I was uh, releasing them, there are certain behaviors. So they, they're pretty noisy. They communicate quite a bit. And then you sent me that paper about the, what was the birds and the squirrels? So is that mutualistic behavior? I don't know. I, I'm big, throwing these big words out, but yeah, Chris, this was this awesome study that came out that squirrels listen in on bird chatter. Okay, they're okay. like little eavesdropping okay. eavesdroppers, and they decide on if it's safe or not for them to move about. And what researchers did from Oberlin College is they played several recordings uh, for squirrels in their natural habitat including basically just background noise of bird chatter around a feeder, and of course, the sound of a red-tailed hawk, a predator. And of course, hearing a hawk, the squirrels went nuts, right? They Mm -hmm. went on alert, Mm -hmm. and they were very vigilant, doing this vigilant behavior, looking around, vigilant calls, freezing, things like that, standing up more. But what researchers noticed is when they were playing the, just the bird chatter, just the normal happy birds around a feeder, the squirrels expressed a lot more docile or inactive or relaxed behavior or okay. less alert behavior. Okay, yeah. Now, 
for those of you that are following along that aren't sleeping yet, you're like, yeah, duh. Or why, why is that shocking? Well, it does seem pretty natural to us, right? Because we're, we are always trying to observe behavior of people or things around us to help us predict. But in the animal kingdom, we usually focus on understanding that a predator's after us, like alarm right. calls, right, right. chatter, things like that. Right. Okay. As rather to, ju- to decide if something is safe or not safe, especially in prey animals. Okay. There's a big difference between predators and prey. We often have thought with our cognition. And of course there is, but this is really, really unique because it goes to show that they're also listening to when the birds are out and about talking and just chirping away their love songs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or whatever they're doing, the squirrels are using that as a cue that it's safe. So they're not only assessing bad situations or scary situations, but also safe ones as well. And that has not really been documented a lot especially in a rodent species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just, once again, and, we, and this happens time and time again on this podcast, reading these, just these amazing breakthroughs and kind of animal communication, animal cognition, it's just always much more, they're, they're always much more complex than I think we, than we had given them credit for or thought. Oh, absolutely. Like almost every species, something. There's something in every yeah, podcast. And that's that just, why with squirrels, it's like nobody cares about squirrels. I'm like, no, wait, yes, a lot of researchers do. And we're yeah, finding we do. out really we cool do. things about yeah. them. Yeah, there's yeah. amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, you mentioned earlier about this chase behavior. So you got to fill us in on that one. Oh, yes, Chris. We've already talked about how there's so much like us eavesdropping on people. We know I've done mm-hmm. that before. Mm-hmm. And how they organize things in their closets, which I love to do. So the chase. Not a lot is known about giant Indian squirrel reproduction, breeding behavior, things like that, which was, of course, a disappointment to me. I love this section. Uh, A little bit is known. A lot of this has to do that they're very shy and they're really high up in the canopy. So unless you like to climb trees or things like that, they're going to be really, really hard to study. So... Going back and looking at just squirrel behavior in general, most squirrels, and I would presume Indian giant squirrel falls into this, have a pretty fun courtship behavior called chase. And most people out there that have been on the dating scene can probably relate to this, right? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So what ends up happening with squirrels is when a male has interest in her, he will chase her. We've probably all seen this, two squirrels zigzagging up and down a tree, from tree to tree, things like that, okay? Chases can be fast or slow, and a lot of times the male will stop, and he might gnaw at an object, on a tree or something. Just a little frustration. Just a little frustration, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And what do you think that female does when he stops? Do you think she keeps running or do you think she kind of turns back to give a little tease? (laughs) She probably goes, hey, buddy, blinks her eyes. She does. Mm -hmm. She stops and because he stopped. And then she'll probably approach him a little bit to see if he's still interested. 
she might act a little coy, like you said, like, here I am. What's your mm-hmm. name again? Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And squirrel chit chatter. I don't know. And then once again, the chase will commence. And so they go. And these chases have been recorded, like I said, fast or slow. But they can be long. They can be a couple hours long, depending on the animals and things like that. Um, oh, so no. it's That's really, a long chase. It is. It is. <laughs> now, the problem with the chase is not necessarily from the female side of things. The problem is for these males. Now, squirrels are not monogamous, so mm-hmm. a female may breed with several different males. And what will sometimes end up happening is while well, we'll just call it male one is chasing female one up and around and down and he stops, she stops. A couple bad things to, can happen to male one. Number one, mm-hmm. he can be attacked by male two during the chase and right. steal the female and breed with her. And why this ends up working, Chris, is because male one will be exhausted, bless his heart. Mm-hmm. And male two can just kind of jump right in. And, it's, and researchers <laughs> actually coined this uh, the sneaky male strategy. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm, strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and so you know, he didn't have to put up, put up, put in as much effort. Um, and of course, another strategy is a persistent male strategy, and that's where male one will just obviously keep going and going and going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that the males will do to protect their female and mating rights was exclusively her is they'll guard her. And they'll often give anti-predator. Now, this is super smart. They give anti-predator calls so that if another male is around waiting, maybe trying to be the sneaky male, he'll freeze and get the heck out of Dodge because he hears these alarm calls and he thinks there's a predator around. So I don't know what that strategy is called, but it's pretty smart, right? And these anti-predator calls can go on for up to 17 minutes. Like this male's not messing wow. around. He's still guard yeah. his female for a long time. And so what ends up happening, Chris, is the chase occurs and the persistent male number one will either win the race or the chase or sneaky male number two will sneak in and win the lady's love or there's sometimes two males will be fighting for a female during the chase and a third male will like, and that's usually a juvenile. He'll like right. sneak in there really quick cause he can't fight. And he, he's like, whatever those guys are fighting. <laughs> so, yeah. but at the end of the day, the chase is successful by some, some lucky young squirrel and they end up breeding. So it got me thinking, why do the squirrels do this chase? What is this chase all about? Or perhaps even from our own self-reflection, why do men and women, sometimes when they're dating, why do they like it when somebody's a little hard to get? I know for darn certain my husband played a little hard to get and (laughs) it worked wonders on me. So I can I, I can relate. Why? But why? Why do you think evolutionary biologists think this might be a a, a great form of courtship? I mean, yeah. I mean, you're looking for fitness. I mean, who's the most fit? You know, especially like with birds and stuff. So if if male one can keep up and she ends up mating with them, but the, the little sneaky guy comes in there, it's like 
you know, I don't know. Is it that he's more intelligent? I, you know, Chris, you are yeah. totally right and onto something. Yeah. The okay. answer is pretty simple. Okay. It's how she sorts the men from the boys. And right. yes. And that's with John. I was, it helped me sort him and he's a great man yeah. and love of my life. And yeah. so there you go. He's a great dad. He's a great dad. Yeah. He's a great man. But so, what's also yeah. really interesting is that the female is just not an innocent little bystander on this. Well, whoever's the most fit that can keep up with me or the Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. Not me. No. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's really fascinating. And I had no idea about this with squirrels. And this is once again, general squirrels. But females will sometimes remove the capitory plug. And for those of you that are unfamiliar with rodent breeding behavior or some breeding behavior in general, is after breeding, sometimes some of the sperm will coagulate in the vagina and it becomes a plug-like hardened thing so she can't or it's harder for her to breed with other males. And you see that sometimes in uh, animals that will have that are not monogamous, right? Uh, and so that's how it is normally. However, these females, researchers think, sometimes may decide that male one, two, or three is not fit enough or smart enough or whatever, whatever she's sensing. And she will take that plug out and either throw it on the ground or eat it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> bless That's her heart. A, yes, yes, bless her heart. I'm going to visualize okay. her throwing it on the ground. That's what I'm going to visualize. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just super fascinating because yeah. I think there's a lot more that we don't know about mate selection there and how, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's this courtship of the chase and it's it can be kind of intricate and very long and it definitely does help depict male fitness. However, she on her own and too may have some preference as well. Okay. Okay. It makes sense. I am telling you, squirrels are fascinating, Chris. We can do this the next month. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone down from the rest of the podcast to how about just a a month of squirrels. Interestingly enough, October is Squirrel Awareness Month. So we could, we could, we'll have to get some more fun facts out there. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're pretty cool. And then just briefly, what is known with the Indian giant squirrels is once breeding has occurred, gestation is pretty small. It's anywhere from 20 Mm -hmm. to 35 days in length. The litter size is usually one to two young, but it can be as many as three. And as you mentioned, when the kits or the pups are born, they're teeny tiny, about 74.5 grams and... 27.3 centimeters so even 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 though they're the indian giant squirrels are still super small and i couldn't even imagine feeding one of those babies how oh yeah it's it's like having a real baby i mean it's every few hours and hold you hold them in the palm of your hand and you know feed them from a syringe and these are squirrels like you know when i did it in south carolina they were blown out of trees you know a big windstorm would come in and there would just be a ton of squirrels picked yeah up well and, and as yeah. you mentioned it's important to note that they they're born very altricial and so they're naked mm-hmm. and toothless and blind and they, they need mm-hmm. they need you they need their moms yeah and yeah. um or or you yeah i know i know we uh, saved a uh, few dozen i would say that's over the year year and a half that i did it yeah it was fun before i moved to to florida so conservation you know this is least concern but but there is a but there their habitat and their numbers are decreasing with the indian giant squirrel 
There is selective logging going on in these parts of India. Monoculture, again, is is very devastating to an ecosystem. These plantations, you know, you knock down, you know, variety of foods for them. The dam construction, things like that have, have all degraded their natural habitat and they're hunted for food. So, you know, they've got some pressure. They've got some pressure and so they're being monitored. It, it's not all rosy uh, in that part of the world for many squirrel species, I would say. Absolutely. You know, where they s- seem to do pretty doing pretty well here in the United States. You know, in other parts of the world, they are going through some things. Now, you couldn't find an exact organization, right? So... Nope, no, no organization yep. uh, this week. Um, ex- but... But I do want to talk about ways to celebrate squirrels. We will be highlighting things throughout the month of October since it is uh, Squirrel Awareness Month. And as we found Mm -hmm. on this podcast, they are amazing and have similar behaviors to us as well, or at least me. I'll I'll admit it. I like like to chase, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chase helped me out here and there. But just in general, go out in in your local park or your backyard. Yeah, and join our All Creatures Pod Facebook group and send videos and we can get the conversation going and maybe talk more about their tail movements or some of their crazy zigzag patterns. That's something I didn't really even mention in the podcast. It's more for Mm -hmm. when the squirrels are on the ground, like North American squirrels. Mm -hmm. They zigzag like football players um, to basically avoid predators. And that's just Mm -hmm. the pattern that they is more successful for them. However, that's sometimes why they get hit by cars, right? We've all been driving and there's been a squirrel. We're like, just get out of the road, quit zigzagging. So, but yeah, just to go out there and maybe hang up a squirrel feeder, um, because you can try to hang up a bird feeder and I highly recommend that, but you'll have to squirrel proof it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. And, yep, yep. you know, think about too, that squirrels are super important and they need trees. So any, any organization that supports planting trees or anything like that, go out there and check that out. Um, plant a seed yourself, if you will, or, or help us suggest some organizations, some of your favorite tree planting organizations. And I've, yeah. um, yeah. And yeah, just, um, just love on some squirrels. Yeah. And my conservation tip this week was along those lines, you know, squirrels are vulnerable to metabolic bone disease. So, which weakens their bones. Right. And a lot of people, you know, if you're feeding them in your backyards, you really want to follow a natural diet. People have feed things like peanuts, which can be toxic with mold, Mm -hmm. but Peanuts or sunflower seeds. And the problem is squirrels will eat it. There's just not a lot of nutrients in there. So they, they're finding squirrels that are fed these diets, you know, that are developing this metabolic bone disease. So feed them something natural, you know, from your part of the world. If you can get some natural nuts that, that fall there, those squirrels will thank you. And they're fun to watch. You know, they're fun to have in your yard and, and see them go out there. And then they need fresh water too. So if you can put some of that out, that helps them a lot. But that was kind of my conservation tip to to help out our our furry little friends that are pretty much everywhere on Earth. Yeah, except Australia. Except Australia. <laughs> except Australia. <laughs> so you know, for us, if you can send this podcast to a friend, we will love you. Or you know, we're picking up momentum again, heading into the fall. In a couple of weeks, we have the podcast awards, so we'll let you know how we do on that. The the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We 
If you didn't know, we were nominated. We're one of the top 10 in science up against NASA's very own podcast. Crazy. (laughs) Super exciting. Me and and Angie against the people that sent humans to the moon. (laughs) I mean... Like, literally, I put that in perspective this week. I was like, wow. I know. You text me, like, at midnight. You're like, I'm just still in awe that we are even (laughs) considered for this award and up against NASA. Like, people that put man on the moon. The moon. Yeah. Yeah, it is insane. It is insane. But thank you. You know, it just, for us, it's, we got to send this message. We have to spread the message. I think. You know, where Angie and I are getting more concise in our messaging as far as what's going on out there around the world. We need knowledge and education, period. End of story. This is our survival's at stake, you know, not just our furry friends or our smooth friends out in the oceans, which we're going to get to the ocean here pretty quick again. Hint, hint, hint. And, you know, we have some fun stuff cooking in the books as we head into this fall, some fun species ahead. Check us out on Patreon if, you know, again, cup of coffee a month thank you you know just thank you from the bottom of our hearts and we give back to conservation you know we cut a check each month so thanks for listening and we'll be back next week thank you everyone listen learn share join the movement at allcreaturespod.com <laughs>